Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to... The Guys and Ties podcast. It's episode five, baby. It it's coming fast. We're just putting content out like weekly. It seems weekly. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, so welcome everyone to episode five of the Guys and Ties podcast. We're really really excited about this show. We've got great guests that's going to come on and join the show. Chris Wright of thesaber.com. We've got a little bit of basketball to talk about too. And since we're recording this on Sunday, it means we have less than a week until. The football opener against Richmond. And you know what that means. What? It's almost basketball season. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) So we're really excited about this episode. We think we've got a lot to talk about, and hopefully we'll give some great analysis that Chris will supplement or uh, really just blow us away, too. So we're really excited. And I guess the first thing we really want to talk about is basketball. Basketball, baby. You know, I love it. And... It turns out, like, right after we dropped the pod last week, we decided to get a high-level recruit in basketball, which was awesome. But at the same time, Rob and I were like, ah. We're like, how are we going to fit this into the pod? You know, it was going to be all football. Now we we have no choice. Now Tony we Bennett's ha- just doing so well that we have to talk basketball. We have to talk about it. So we got a commit from four-star recruit. Caden Shedrick, and I have trouble saying that name. It sounds like I have a lisp every time I say it, but (laughs) Caden Shedrick, he is a 6'10", 200-pound forward, probably will play the four spot or maybe the five spot if we go small. He was only 6'2", as a freshman in high school, and he has since grown eight inches. I love it. Six foot ten now. And so he's got that really great combination of a big man who has those guard skills because he was a guard previously and now he is a big guy and he has a lot of those dribbling skills some shooting skills too he's a really good talent and we are super lucky to get him i'm really excited to have him on grounds yeah i mean i just love this recruiting energy we're seeing now you know for a year or two we weren't really reeling in kind of these big top ranked guys you know we had some guys come in that was like oh these are development players you know maybe we'll let them redshirt we'll give them a year we'll see what they turn into but recently tony bennett's just on a tear on the recruiting circuit you know we get a commit from casey morsel we see uh he's shot up in the rankings pretty Mm -hmm. much a consensus four-star guy now now we bring in another top 100 guy caden chedrick and that that just gets me excited. He he's top sixty. He's, he's I love it. He's fifty two right now. I love Virginia it. actually has the number two recruiting class. Class, yeah, recruiting class in the nation so far. But of course that that'll probably that'll go down as the five stars commit to Kentucky and Duke and whatever. But right now Tony's on a real binger with recruits, and hopefully he can have this momentum go forward into the twenty twenty recruiting class where now he can focus all of his attention because with uh, the commitment of Shedrick, we have no more scholarships open as of now for the 2019 class because as we we hope Dre doesn't leave, but he probably will leave. So he, Tony will probably have one more scholarship open in the spring, but it's probably unlikely that he's going to get another commit for the spring until the tournament's over. So. Yeah. I, as of now, recruiting is done for 19. Yeah. I mean, that makes things 
simple too you know you turn around all of a sudden it's august almost september let's focus on the season i think all these guys have something to prove here Mm -hmm. and you know let's bring in talent and we did now now let's focus on the season and see if anything pops up if dre leaves or i don't there might be a transfer here and there i don't know if anyone else is really thinking nba at this point well i think i think kyle and we've talked about this kyle and ty might jump or they might test the waters early, if, especially if they have good years. I, I expect Ty especially because he, he seems to be shooting up some NBA people's boards. Yeah. And Mamadi is another guy who has the NBA potential but hasn't really shown it in college yet. But I think that he could definitely leave early if he has another good year. Yeah. And but, I mean, I think Caden Shedrick and Mamadi kind of play that same position. Yeah. And I was it. just I was just going to go off that, that this is perfect because Mamadi is going to be a senior if he stays by the time that Shedrick is a first year. And so if Shedrick redshirts or if he plays a little bit, he can slide right into Mamadi's spot after he graduates or goes to the NBA. Just a little bit of background on Shedrick. He is a shot blocker and he is also can shoot a little bit from the three so when he was a sophomore in high school he broke the single season blocks record for his high school which is pretty incredible because he was still two inches shorter than he is now so he's already got that defensive ability that akil mitchell mindset akil darian mamadi you know all these kind of lean long guys who can block the shots and alter shots. And hopefully Caden Shadrick will bring a little bit more to the offensive end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know he can shoot the three. He doesn't shoot it often, but when he does, it, he's pretty accurate with it, at least from what I saw from the few mixtapes I've seen of his. You know, They only show the good stuff in that, but I think he can shoot it. The other thing is that he's got, I think he's got some good rebounding skills. You know, he's 6'10", he's still growing into his frame. And he's still trying to bulk up a little bit, but a lot of his highlights were either put back dunks or, you know, gathering up rebounds. And that that's going to change once he gets to college where people actually know how to block out a 6'10 guy. But as of now, it looks like he's got some good skills that he can bring to the table. And I'm excited for him to go. Yeah. I mean, I think he slides in perfectly, you know, just all around great fit for both sides. And after getting Casey Morsel and... You know, we'll see what happens with Braxton Key when that decision comes out. I'm just yeah. really excited around the talent this program is bringing in right now. I mean, Tony Bennett is absolutely on a tear, and it just gets me really pumped up, especially after a couple, you know, sure, good enough recruiting classes, but mm-hmm. now to really get that excitement, that wow factor back. Yeah. I mean, I I just love this. Yeah, and, you know, Shedrick is a red shirt option maybe you know because he's still kind of skinny and he still has the potential to grow like grow even taller he has a size 19 shoe that is massive i wear a size 8 by the way (laughs) (laughs) i wear a 12 but that's still like you know seven inches longer than my foot and that's insane but so he he's got that red shirt option which i think he even said in an interview i read with him that he was very open to that to learn more and to grow more and to get stronger so i'm i'm looking forward to it. i'm looking forward to having them on, on grounds me too um but do you, i think that's all we have for basketball uh unless you want to talk about anything else i'm always happy to talk basketball longer yeah no i mean very soon we'll see how this football season plays out but maybe it's around october maybe even late september i hope not where i'm starting to itch <laughs> you to start to look forward a little too. bit yeah 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 <laughs> But yeah, no, I think I think that hits everything. You know, great fit for Shedrick, great fit for UEA, great excitement, focus now back on the court, not necessarily on the recruiting trail as much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is a win-win for all sides. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited, super duper excited. And with that, we are going to call our guest and we're going to talk some football. Yeah, we have Chris Wright from thesaber.com who'll be joining the program. For those of you who aren't addicted to the Saber like I am, I highly recommend it. You probably will never go back. Uh, Chris has been working on his 99 football thoughts before kickoff series, which started back a while ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, We're at like thought number eight or seven or something like that some really great content so we're really excited to have chris join the show let's give him a call all right 
So we actually have Chris on the line right now. So Chris, welcome to the Guys and Ties podcast. We're really excited to get you on the program. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So like we were just saying, Chris has been running this 99 football thoughts before kickoff series, which is what we're on thought like seven right now to go, something like that. Um, yeah, we're in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been awesome. It started a couple months ago, and just each one of these has been incredibly detailed, just breakdown in the roster. And one thing that Dustin and I have been talking about on the show is trying to break down the roster, trying to break down our depth and how everything's looking for this year. And Chris, since you've spent so much time kind of digging deep into the football team, not only this year, but kind of how it compares to prior years. We were just curious, like, is there anything you learned about this team that maybe you didn't know when you started the series? Does any, anything really stand out to you that uh, maybe you wouldn't have, you know, a month or two ago? I think the biggest thing is, is if you kind of dive in and you're digging through it, it's easy to see uh, what Bronco Mendenhall's plan is. You know what I mean? When you, when you start digging down, you can see, okay, there's been stopgap measures with, graduate transfers, but those have all been pretty much on the offensive or defensive line, right? So you can tell right from the beginning that he inherited the team and went, we don't have enough depth at this position. I think if you, that's kind of been the theme of the offseason so far is defensive line depth. You know, will one of the transfers that came in, will they be able to help? You know, so I think that's the biggest thing is you can really see a plan and how he's piecing things together as you get through the roster, whether that be graduate transfers or how many does he take in a class at a particular position. I think special teams has potential to be better this year. That's one thing I kind of learned sifting through the roster because there are more run and hit types. So linebackers, run, running backs, defensive backs, there are a lot of those guys now on the roster. So um, some of the depth of those positions I think will show up on special teams um, as much as anywhere else. So yeah, I, I just I think you can see the plan. Now, whether the plan will work or not, we're still in the process of seeing that, right, going into year three, but mm-hmm. there is a plan. It's very clear. It's very easy to follow when you dig into the roster. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that we've kind of talked about, too, is there's a deliberate nature to the way Bronco operates this program. And I still remember his opening press conference when he's talking about business and organization development and all those things. And I think we're definitely seeing that. And you're absolutely right. You know, we'll see kind of if that leads anywhere. But along the defensive line in particular, since you bring that up, that is, you know, kind of the scariest position in terms of lack of depth on this team right now. Uh, it seems like Dylan Thompson is now in camp. We'll see kind of where he or if he plays out into this season. I mean, it seems like the defensive line has to really step up for the potential at linebacker and in the secondary to really show. I mean, what's your thought on the defensive line? And do you think they can really kind of hold their own and open up uh, opportunities for the rest of the guys on the defense? Yeah, I think that has to be the, you know, maybe one of the two biggest concerns of the season. It's just defensive line, defensive line depth, defensive line experience. You know, they have bodies there with Cassius P transferring in, Dylan Thompson, who you mentioned transferring in, three freshmen come in, they're on the defensive line. So there's more depth there than, that was there in the spring, but the inexperience question is still very much there, right? We don't have any idea how these freshmen will look in live action. Dylan Thompson looks the part, hasn't been in camp yet, just got here this week. Fascist mm-hmm. Pete, you know, was missing the early part of camp with some injuries, so we don't really know what he looks like yet. So, and neither one of those guys played very much, you know, at their previous stops, whether that was Michigan State or Ohio State. So, we don't really know what they're going to look like in live action. So, I, when I look at kind of themes, storylines for the season, to me, that's the biggest one. And we've been kind of approaching it that way on the site. Not only the 99 Thoughts series, but on the message boards and just things like that, we've been looking at it. I I think you have to start with Eli Handback when you talk defensive line, though. So you asked something that surprised me when I was kind of sifting through. That was one, is how good of a year Eli Handback had last year. I don't think, you know, really anybody paid much attention to it. (laughs) Right? It was not all ACC. It wasn't anything like that. He had the third best tackle numbers in the last decade for the leading defensive lineman, you know, for, for the Virginia football team. So, you know, everybody talked about Dante Wilkins the year before, how, how good of a year he had. Handback beat his tackles by 11. Wow. He was better than David Dean. He was better than uh, Jake Snyder. Like, but, uh, the only guys that beat him were uh, Nate Collins and Matt Conrath, and both mm-hmm. of those guys got at least a look in the NFL. So 
he had a great year. I don't think any, I just don't think anybody talks about it, right? <laughs> I mean, that kind of surprised me a little bit how good of a year it was when I actually kind of dug into the historical comparisons. It was like, wow, Eli Hamback had a really good year. How did I miss that? Yeah, <laughs> um, well, he's gonna have to be the, the only guy with experience. I, I guess. The, I guess a lot of that goes back to like having Micah Kaiser and Quinn Blanding on the team at the same time, and just the, both of them being tackling machines and along with others like Chris Peace and Juan Thornhill, who had great years on the defensive end. And, you know, we our defensive line was never something that we pride ourselves on last year, much less this year. So I think, I mean, hopefully hopefully he can step up and actually show that he knows what he's doing. It'll be interesting to see if he's playing only nose tackle this year. So, you know, he only played nose last year for the most part. They shuffle those guys around a little bit. His first year on the team, he was mostly a defensive end most of the snaps. With Dylan Thompson here, can he get, you know, can he create some snaps for himself? Can Jordan Redmond, the freshman, uh, who they they sound like they're pretty high on, can he create some snaps at nose guard to let him back slide over a little bit so he's not always playing right on top of the center? So yeah, I miss how to choose the line, but but also how handback is kind of the anchor for that. Where is that anchor place? Yeah, and I think a lot of that will, uh, as you mentioned, come back to the freshman and. Last year on the defensive line, we had Mandy Alonso come in and play some pretty good, meaningful snaps uh, towards the end of the season. Jordan Redmond's a guy that the staff is pretty high on. It seems like each of Broncos' years, there's been freshmen come in that have played meaningful roles. I mean, that first year, you had Bryce Hall, Jordan Mack last year with Mandy Alonso. Um, is there any freshmen this year that have really stood out? I'm really excited about Tavares Kelly to see if he can really make an impact. But is there any in your mind that maybe will stand out above the rest? Tavares Kelly might might be the guy, you know, because he might end up being in the punt return mix. He's certainly going to be in the wide receiver mix. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of viewing in practice in the fall. They give us, as media, I think it was three, three 30 minute windows. So basically, we see individual drills, stretching, and the very, very, very beginning of, of, of you know, kind of scheme development. So we don't mm-hmm. see a whole lot. But when you just get to see the one-on-one drill, Tavares Kelly really comes out. Right? He gets in and out of breaks as well as anyone I can remember you know, in my time covering Virginia. And I've been covering it in some forms since I was at the Cavalier Daily in the late 90s. I don't know what that means. I just know he looks really, <laughs> really athletic. And I don't know that... You can stay with him unless you're either a really long kind of range, you know, defensive back, which Virginia has a lot of those guys, the six one, six two type, that can not necessarily keep up with him, but you know, be able to cover him a little bit with length. But they're not going to let. I don't think they're going to let opponents jam him at the line. I think he's going to be lined up off the line. So you're not going to get to you know bump bump and run coverage with them. You're going to have to figure out how you how you're going to defend him while also paying attention to Alamade, you know, Zacchaeus, and Joe Reed and some of those other guys. He's an intriguing one. He really is. The, Jordan Redmond's intriguing because I think he's going to play a lot of snaps just because of the defensive line situation. You know, otherwise, I think freshmen may play, but it may be later in the year. It may be, you know, spot duty. You know, the, the new redshirt rule, you can play four games without redshirting. I, I think you could see guys because of that in certain situations if the scoreboard goes well. So we'll get a better idea for it. Yeah, I think the other receiver that people mention a lot is, and I may butcher his name, I think, but it's Hugo Obati. <laughs> we'll get better at that as the year goes on, but he's getting a lot of kind of side murmuring in practice. You know, Tavares Kelly's getting a lot of hype everywhere. That's floors, Twitter, anywhere you can think about. But um, Abbasi's name keeps coming up kind of up on the fringe. The people that have connections to the program, that sort of thing, are like, uh, you, know, you might want to watch for this kid too. And then Billy Kemp from High- Highland Springs, I think, is going to play the true freshman at receiver. So, you know, th- those are the two positions to watch in terms of freshmen, defensive line and wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of staying on that thought on wide receiver, I think we're expecting to see – a very different offensive system than what we saw a year ago. I mean, we're going to, by all accounts, have a lot of running when that's going to start kind of with Bryce Perkins and the new element he's going to bring to this offense. One thing that I'm really curious about is just how this offense is actually going to look. Like, when you look back at BYU tape, um, you see Taysom Hill, which is kind of what, you know, this quarterback idea that Bronco Mendenhall brought up a couple years ago. I'm not really sure I see Bryce Perkins necessarily as that power guy, though, that Taysom Hill was. It seems like this offense is going to be more dependent on speed, trying to stretch, uh, try to get to the sidelines, get to the edge, uh, and whether that's through pitches, whether that's through sweeps. That's kind of my expectation. What is your expectation for what we're going to see come Richmond? 
the it will resemble the Taysom Hill offense at BYU more than it will resemble the Kurt Pinkert offense at Virginia. The uh, I think that's a that how much it resembles it kind of becomes the interesting part. The Taysom Hill, I feel like kind of gathering from talking to the coaches, they didn't really necessarily coach him on how to run or anything. He's just an athlete that comes all the way Joe, and he's certainly a power guy. But you look back at that BYU film, he didn't necessarily pitch a lot. There wasn't a lot of pure option. You remember the game at Scott Stadium, he'd be running, and he would almost turn around and pass backwards mm-hmm. instead of pitching backwards, right? Like, I think we'll see Perkins actually run pure option more than Taysom Hill ran. So I think that'll make it look different. I think things in terms of different from Kurt Binkert, I they ran run-pass options last year where, you know, they optioned a certain defender and let Kurt read that guy to decide whether to hand it off or to throw it. We certainly will see more of that, both, I think, stationary in the pocket and, you know, with some design rollouts and things like that. Some of that's going to look like Perkins just scrambling, but I think some of it will be designed and we'll get the feel for that the more we see it. Like, oh, we've seen that seven times now. I don't think he's just scrambling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Richmond game, I think, it will be a little less clear. It may look like he just rolls out, gets up on something and takes off, where he's actually optioning one defender. So that, that's the biggest thing. Lots of options, though. Classic option, you know, like George Tech, run out, pitch it if, a, if they commit to you, don't. You know, keep it if they don't. Read option, where you stick it in the running back's belly and you're staring at the defensive end uh, and wait for the defensive end to make a decision. I think we'll see some of that. And then run pass option, where, you know, maybe they're taking all linebackers or maybe they're keen on a safety to determine whether he's touched it or throw it. So uh, I think a lot of learning to do in terms of us watching it, exactly how they're going to use it. I think it'll resemble Taysom Hill, but with more pitches and more kind of wrinkles versus power running, like you mentioned with Taysom. They just lead run Taysom. <laughs> Follow the fullback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, power, power eye type of stuff, but with the quarterback. I don't think we'll see as much of that with Perkins. And, and speaking of Perkins, I was wondering if you could talk about his arm strength a little bit because I think that's the a huge question mark for a lot of people is we know he can run but we don't know how good he can throw it or how accurate he is or how hard he can throw the ball so I was wondering if you could shed some light onto if you know anything about his arm strength his arm strength looks good to me in, in practice just in terms of having zip on the ball mm-hmm. you know it's more toward the flip sims Peter Wallach into the spectrum in terms of arm strength than it is, say, the, you know, the Mark Verica or somebody like that into the spectrum for, for arm strength. You can do well as quarterbacks either way, but you have to kind of plan things around it. And I think he has a stronger arm. Maybe not quite as strong as Kurt. I, I need to see more before I have a feel for that. You know, Kurt Minker had a really big arm. Yeah, um, I mean, Kurt, without much. I mean, Kurt would throw 60 yards on his knees, so I don't, and I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to get that from Perkins. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, he could throw it. A mile without even setting his feet. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't know if Perkins has that kind of arm strength, but he certainly has the strong enough arm to make the throws they're going to want him to make to throw over the top. Which he has all those things. It comes out really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like a huge wind up to throw it deep. The arm strength there, the, the accuracy is the part I think we'll all have a question about. And until we see when he actually can get hit versus wearing a red jersey in practice, what does, what does that accuracy look like? Coach Hagens, the receivers coach, like quarterback here mm-hmm. he, he says Bryce is plenty accurate he said he's definitely accurate enough to make all this work so right. that's the coach talking the, the coach of receivers so hopefully you know he, he's watching that closely because that helps his guys if he's accurate right but mm-hmm. I just don't think we know until he gets hit a couple times yeah and I've, I mean I think that's going to be the biggest thing is what does Bryce Perkins look like at the FBS level you know, he played um, in junior college last year, had some good rushing numbers, the passing numbers. We'll see. Hopefully now that he's got probably what I consider a bump up as far as coaching staff and scheme design goes, hopefully we can uh, see him reach his full potential. And that's kind of one thing we want to talk about in particular is that there's so much talk about Bryce Perkins. I mean, understandably so, he's kind of going to be the lightning rod that sparks this offense and kind of this new era of what we want Bronco Mendenhall and this offense to look like. Bronco obviously has talked very, very highly of Bryce Perkins. Is that a good indicator of kind of what we should expect? I mean, how much should we look into the fact that Bryce Perkins is being praised left and right by Bronco Mendenhall? Yeah, he doesn't really hand out praise like candy. (laughs) He's not not the Christmas parade guy. (laughs) So I think that's at least some indication that they like what they're seeing. They have not really done that. Yeah, a little bit with Kurt, but not really with any of the quarterbacks so far here at Virginia, especially not right off the bat. So, you know, by, by the end of the spring, they were certain that he was their guy, that the film they saw has translated. Now, we don't see it, so we don't really know until we see it in games. And 
to me, I think that may be, and I, I wrote about this toward the end of the 99 thought thing, is I called him the mystery man. Everyone knows he can run. We've heard his top-end speed. You know, we've seen the, the limited highlight clips when he signed, or to go look up a couple of his Juco games, that sort of thing. But we really don't have any idea yeah. <laughs> um, what it's going to look like in this offense, or if he's going to stay in there. He says he wants to break Kurt Binkert's single-season passing yards record. And touchdowns. Like God, it's just going to tuck and run. Yeah. <laughs> but she's going to tuck and run when the bullets are flying and fly back. We just don't know. And I think that's fascinating um, in terms of being a fan of a team. Here's a guy we know we should be excited about because we can see how fast he is in the brief clips on the social media, that sort of stuff. We hear the coaches brag about him. And it's not just Bronco. You know, Higgins has done it. Coach Beck, the quarterback's coach, has done it. Some of the defensive guys have done it. He's getting praise from more than just the head guy, but we don't really know what we're, we're excited about. We just know that we're excited because we're told to be. So <laughs> I, I think that makes it interesting, you know, going into a season. You know, Virginia fans are trying to get back on board with football. Let's face it. They're trying to. They're looking for something to be excited about. It, Perkins it's really is hard. It's really hard sometimes. <laughs> well, you, you guys came through one of the worst periods you could have as students, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're very so, wet. <laughs> so it's hard for you guys to buy in because you're not having this nostalgia of Marcus Higgins running around Florida State or, you know, Matt Schaaf going crazy or whatever. The guys yeah. with, you know, students with nostalgia from back then, I think, are a little quicker to get back on board. I, I think with your generation, it's like, eh, well, well, I'll believe it when I see it because that's certainly how it's been since you're, you've been um, a student and, and young alumni. So yeah, I can understand why it's hard to get on board. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I remember the good old days with – because I, I, I'm from Charlottesville, so I, I grew up watching Matt Schaub and Heath Miller and Chris Long and, you know, bowl games every year. But, you know, as soon as I was a student, it, we went... That's when it really went downhill. It's when it that really... That 2-10 year. Yeah. <laughs> when we actually beat BYU to start the season, and that mm-hmm. was that was half of the wins that we got that year. Yeah. So, you know, I think Broncos given us a lot to get excited about, for sure. It's just a matter of seeing... You know, is this the real deal? And I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, that's kind of the giant mystery this season. I, I mean, it has us on the edge of our seats, at least thinking, what could this really be? Like, what does this Bronco Mendenhall-led team, what's its kind of potential? And I think we're going to get a much better feel for that this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, and Bryce Perkins, that's how we got to that, right? Like, I'm excited about this guy because I've seen some clips. Mm-hmm. But we don't know what that's going to mean. So, yeah. He had that clip. Um, I'm excited but... about Perkins just because he's as talented as anybody I've seen mm-hmm. at that position. Like at Virginia, you don't. I've not seen a quarterback other than Higgins that I would even remotely put in that category. And I go all the way back to the mid '90s when I was a student, right? Mm-hmm. And I was a little kid watching Sean Moore. Like, yeah. the, um, he's faster, at least to the untrained eye, with no stopwatch, that sort of thing. But anybody I remember playing quarterback at Virginia. So, what does that mean, we'll see. Bryce Perkins had that clip they put on, I think, the football Instagram page a couple of days ago, where it looked like he broke like a 70-yard run for a touchdown. It just had me thinking RG3 rookie year, which <laughs> lofty, lofty expectations. But, I mean, I'm really excited to see what this guy can do, which I think leads us kind of to the last kind of overarching theme we want to talk about is this season in general. You know, Bronco has talked about wanting to get back to a bowl game. And obviously, there's a lot of things that have to happen and go right. One of those is Bryce Perkins' health, Alamade Zacchaeus' health. I mean, there's going to be a lot of toss-up games. You know, your Dukes, your North Carolinas, your Pittsburghs that Virginia's going to have to come out on the right side of. And, I mean, Broncos seems to be of the mindset that a bowl game back-to-back a successful season. I think that, to me, is what would be a successful season. Do you have any other thoughts as kind of how we should determine whether or not this season was a success? I think in terms of something tangible, it has to be a bowl game, right? Like, you're not going to get fans back on board fully, and I've been saying this for years, unfortunately, until you go to back-to-back bowl. Mm-hmm. So 2007, Gator Bowl ended up being a mirage, right? It yep. Throws tenure, goes downhill. 2011, Chick-fil-A Bowl ends up being a mirage. London's tenure goes downhill. Military Bowl, was it a mirage? If, if, if they don't make a bowl this year, fans are automatically going to think, oh, seen this before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So in terms of success of getting fans reengaged, I think that's it. I think they have to get back to a bowl game. The other one is, is the one that, you know, we try not to talk about too much, but you got to beat Tech at some point. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's been 14 straight years. That would be a sign of progress, even if they don't make a bowl, right, win that particular game. I think that could reengage folks. 
And then I think in terms of, you know, intangible things, you can't, like, metrically, they score three points more per game than last year. You know, we can all look at those sort of things, but the eye test, right? I had a lot of fans on the message board that comes up. Can they just look confident and consistent week to week? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> some fans have that low of a bar still. That's how frustrated fans, you know, some are with where football has been. Like, one week you look great. You know, remember Philip Sims goes out of the bye week and blows up NC State on the road? Mm-hmm. Like, out of, out of the blue? But no way was that a week to week thing. That's been true for the majority of, you know, the pre month, the you know, late throw through the first year of Mendenhall. That's pretty much what you saw. A team one week looks maybe pretty good, you get some hope, and then they look bad for a few weeks in a row. Or offensively is probably the easiest place to show that. The first two seasons here under Mendenhall, the first six games, they're throwing the ball over the place, they're scoring points, they're lighting it up. The last six games of the year, can't score. Right. So I think that's kind of the intangible ones for fans to be able to sit and watch the game and go, you know what? I see it. I see it. I see that the team looks confident. I see that it, the consistency is improving. Um, I see the plan more than just numbers on paper at this point. And that one's a hard one to define, but I think, you know, I think fans will know it. There's a certain look to it. Um, so they could miss a bowl game and, you know, say go four and eight or five and seven and still show progress. That's going to be a hard one for fans, but I think that's possible. But the real tangible one is the bowl game. Got to make it, right? For, for, to really engage people, got to go back to back. Yeah. And I think it goes back even deeper. You know, you got to put butts in seats, but there's also this football facility that Broncos trying to get funding for. There's, and he and Carla Williams are talking about to recruits, you know, we got to show recruits that we're taking football seriously at Virginia, which is something I think you could definitely say has happened in Blacksburg, but maybe not so much in Charlottesville over the past decade. So it seems to me this is a really big season for Bronco Mendenhall, just in terms of really selling his vision and really firmly putting his feet in the ground and leaving an impact on this program and taking it to where, you know, he thinks it can go. You know, I think that's fair. I, I don't think it's a make or break season. It doesn't feel like that to me, but it feels like a swing season. Like mm-hmm. if it goes reasonably well, you know, I think you start gaining more traction with recruiting, more traction with donors for the facility site stuff that you mentioned. Like I think you can start to plant deeper roots if you have a, a, a somewhat successful season, like whatever that means, right? Five and seven with you know intangible proof, or six and six of the bowl game, or seven and five of the bowl game, whatever. If you win a bowl game and be tech, I think that would either one of those, right? When's the last time Virginia? Here's a trivia question for you. Last time Virginia went into an off season on a win. Oh man, that has to be whenever <laughs> we won Chick-fil-A. our last bowl game. Chick Fil A bowl. Well, no, it had to be uh, when we beat Minnesota. Oh no, yeah, was that 2005? Minnesota, yeah, you got it. 2005. I forgot that we lost to Chick Fil A. <laughs> The yeah, other blue and orange team. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's been twelve seasons in a row that Virginia fans have not gone into the off season on a good note. It's a great losing the or losing the ball. That that's the kind of stuff that gets punters going and recruits going and stuff like that. It's like, hey, the last memory I have of this team from last year, they played pretty well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a long time since anyone's had that feeling about Virginia after the last game of the season. So. Even just doing that, win the last game of the year could help with things. So, yeah, it feels like a, a important, growing, deeper root season for Mendenhall. It won't, you know, put a hot seat season or anything crazy like that. Um, he's going to have time to build this thing, but um, it certainly could make life easier and make it a little less like skiing uphill if, if they can play, you know, fairly well this season. That's awesome. That, that seems 100% accurate, too. Dustin, do you have anything more for our guests? I, I don't know. This has been amazing. And just hearing all your thoughts on, especially the defensive line and everything like that was really helpful. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me. The, I think the thought I would leave on is the, the two linebackers, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that Jordan Mack and Chris Beach are going to be good. What do the other two look like? That's something for people to chew on. And maybe you, <laughs> leading into your next podcast, you can chew on that a little bit. Woody Charles Snowden and Malcolm Cook or Rob Snyder or James Andy or like, what's one of those? kind of got merged the other two linebackers real quick who do you think starts uh with jordan mack on the inside is it going to be malcolm cook I, i'm gonna for, for the richmond game at least i think it'll be either malcolm cook or dom shepherd you know i think it, he's coming kind of coming out of nowhere but i think the way they like to run the program and earn not given and sticking with it and all that sort of stuff the upperclassmen i think have the opportunity to take advantage of that unless a freshman just blows you away right when they come in so mm-hmm. I'm betting on one of those two guys. I'm interested to see what it looks like, you know, by Ohio, certainly by NC State, by Louisville versus at Georgia Tech for the end of the year. I think that answer could change um, at different checkpoints of the season as 
guys like Vandier and Rob Snyder and some of those guys that uh, are just kind of coming into this thing in terms of being real contenders for playing time uh, for live defense versus just special teams, they may have something to say about it the longer the season you know develops. But I think early on it'll be either Cook or Shepard. It's just what I'm guessing on. Yeah. Yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. All right. So that was Chris Wright of thesaber.com. Definitely check out the Saber. If you're anything like me, it's always open on my computer screen at work, <laughs> always on the message boards, always reading. Uh, on also super excited for these last uh, couple thoughts before kickoff. So, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, this has been awesome, and we really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. All yeah. Right. Thank you. So once again, that was Chris Wright, the creator and mastermind behind the Saber. And that was awesome. So me and Rob are super, super pumped to have him on. And we'll we'll probably have him on again maybe for basketball season. We'll, I hope. We'll see, if he, awesome. we'll see if he agrees to come on again. Hopefully we didn't scare <laughs> him away. So now that we've talked about football and we know football season's right around the corner, Rob and I are going to do a game-by-game breakdown of how we think the Wahoos are going to do this year on the gridiron. So we are going to go game-by-game. Game. We're going to say if we think it's a win or a loss. And then we're also going to talk about the games that are some toss-ups. And there are a lot this season. So uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about for this next segment. But Rob, let's start off. So first game is next Saturday at 6 versus Richmond. What do you think about this one? I love that it's a 6 o'clock game, mm-hmm. first off. You know, tailgating. Yeah. I just love that like early night feel. Like Not quite when it's night outside, but mm-hmm. like when it's the sun setting. You know, we're, we've we've had so many twelve thirty games over the past <laughs> Especially five our years. Fourth year. Yeah, so it's good to have like a a good six o'clock game that more people can see than not see. So yeah. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to go back. We're I, we're actually both going back for that game, so uh, might get some early content <laughs> during the game. But we'll see how how the tailgating goes for that to happen. But yeah, I love it. I love I, that it's, we can finally talk about this. Yeah. I think it's a win. I think we beat Richmond. I think it's a win too. I think Broncos too smart. I think he knows kind of everything we've talked about as far as excitement just immediately goes out the door if we lose to Richmond. He's seen that happen once. Yeah. I don't think he'll let it happen again. Richmond, they're losing Kyle Laletta. He uh, went to the draft. He's on the Giants now. It's not like they were particularly good last season either. They went six and five in the FCS. Uh, I think Virginia wins this maybe by two or three touchdowns i don't think it's going to be a like absolute blowout but i think we win pretty comfortably i I think it should be fun though and i'm excited to see how the especially how the students come out for this one because it's a late game they have plenty of time to get over there from rugby and i i hope they i hope they fill that hill yeah i'm fired up i'm pumped all right so we both have virginia at one and oh after week one which leads us into what i think is a really big game week two at Indiana, on the road, under the lights. Um, on Big Ten Network, baby. God, just put it on ESPN. <laughs> just put it on ESPN. <laughs> so Indiana beat Virginia last season, but they only went 5-7 and seven on the year. Um, Dustin, how do you see this game playing out? You know, last year it was, we, we felt really, well, I felt really good during the first half of the Indiana game. And then they switched quarterbacks on us, brought in a running quarterback, and I don't think we scored after the second half either, so that didn't help. So their starter from uh, that game just won the starting nod against uh, Arizona grad transfer Brandon Dawkins. We'll see the same quarterback most likely this year. Mm -hmm. To me, I was on the fence about this game, and then it was just announced earlier this week that Morgan Ellis, Indiana's leading rusher, is suspended indefinitely. To be determined if this is a Duke basketball indefinite suspension, or a real indefinite suspension. I hope it's a real indefinite suspension because if it's a Duke indefinite, I'm a, I'll do something. <laughs> I promise. So to me, that was the tipping point. You take away that strength, which is uh, also our biggest weakness, confronting that on the defensive <laughs> line. To me, I have Virginia winning a very, very close game. Uh, I have a set 2-0 to start the year. I think this is a toss-up for me, but I think we dropped this one just because it's our first road game, and we you know, we lost to him last year. Unclear how our quarterback situation is going to be after you know playing an FBS opponent. I think it's a loss, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we won either in a close game. 
you know, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see it. But for me, this is this is one of those toss-up games. Yep, absolutely. Our first toss-up. So week three, we come back to Charlottesville to face the Ohio Bobcats. Mm-hmm. Ohio was actually nine and four last year. Maybe the favorite to win the MAC this year. Mm-hmm. This isn't a team that's going to roll over. So you know, what are you thinking? I think we win, but I think we win very. It's a good to be a close game. I could also see us losing this game, which I think a lot of people would see as a disappointment. But honestly, this team is really good. And they they are the favorites to win the MAC this year, so I'm not. I wouldn't be too upset if we lost. I would be upset if we didn't give them a good fight for it. But I think we do win this game because we're at home, and hopefully coming off a nice game versus Indiana too. I, yeah, I mean, I think we win. I think one thing that Virginia fans need to realize though is that this Ohio offense is the real deal, at least on the MAC level. Quarterback, uh, he'll be a junior this year, Nathan Rourke. Pass for over 2,200 yards last season with 17 touchdowns. Not to mention he added 912 yards on the ground, including oh, 21 rushing touchdowns. He had 21 rushing 21 touchdowns? rushing touchdowns. Oh my gosh! Which just kind of blows my mind. That offense averaged 39 points a game last year. Virginia better come to play. I think we do win that game, but you know this isn't one where it's you know sleep through it they're not going to be pushovers that's a toss-up game for me yeah i think virginia is on the edge i think we are favored there's not going to be many games this year that we're favored in Mm -hmm. i think this is one where we will probably be favored in i mean honestly we're probably only going to be favored because it's ohio and they're not like a power five exactly that's the only reason anyway to recap first three games of the season dustin has us at two and one Mm -hmm. i've got us at three and oh which leads us to our first acc game of the season the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Louisville obviously is going to be without Lamar Jackson. Um, they went eight and five last year. They're going to be starting Juwan Pass at quarterback. Dustin, what are your thoughts on this game? I think we win this game. Really? You know? Yeah, I know it's surprising. I think I'm going to change my answer. I think we lose to Ohio and we're going to beat Louisville. So we lose. We're one and two. Yeah, we're one and two going into Louisville, and I say we beat Louisville. Wow. And I say that because they're losing. Lamar Jackson, who was basically their entire team last season. And it, it'll be interesting to see how they get through without him this year. Their defense is, was not good last year. No. Their offense was really good last year. And I don't know how their new quarterback is going to fit into that system. And hopefully they're going to have to pass it more than be able to run it. Because it was that running factor that made us bad against Louisville. Yeah. Especially with Lamar Jackson. So I think without him, we can do a lot better. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a game where Virginia absolutely has a chance to come in and kind of steal a win. Uh, mm-hmm. One stat that kind of intrigued me, Louisville, they lose their top three rushers last season, mm-hmm. including Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But collectively, they accounted for 29 touchdowns and almost 2,500 yards on the ground last season. Wow. So they're losing people for sure. At the end of the day, Bobby Petrino is just a really good coach, Mm -hmm. and there's just too many. I already feel like I've pushed it having Virginia beating Indiana. I'm (laughs) not sure if I can go that far. And Richmond. That's true. Three wins. God, if we could start 3-0, that'd be incredible. But for me, I'm just not quite there. I'm not convinced enough yet that we're better than Louisville. I think we lose. All right. So I have us at 2-2, and and Rob has us at 3-1 and going into week five which is at nc state and this is a tough one for me but rob i want you to start yeah i mean i think we lose and Mm -hmm. we might lose by a lot yeah um nc state's definitely one of the better teams in the conference you know anything could happen chris brought up i think it was 2012 when philip sims maybe Mm -hmm. had his one good game Mm -hmm. for uva when we somehow just blew out nc state but I don't see that happen again. NC State's just too good of a football team. Yeah. I think we lose that. The thing about NC State is they lost their entire defensive front. So we won't have to face Bradley Chubb. We won't. No. And so if we can if our run game is good enough and if Bryce Perkins is the runner that he's been said to be, maybe we can run against them pretty good. But I'm not their offense is really good too. Their quarterback, they have a great quarterback. They have a good offense. So 
I am not holding on to my breath to win that game. I think we can keep it close in the first half, but I think the Bull will win the second. Yeah. One interesting thing, though, this is going to be the first time since 2007 where we played two ACC games in September. Wow. We normally just throw all our non-conference at the beginning, so it's yeah. kind of, it might have a different feel to it. Yeah. Well, we um, do have five games in September. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Yep. I have us at 3-2 and two right now, 0-2 in the conference. And I have us at... Two and three. All right. So let's move on to October where the <laughs> next game. So there's going to be a bye week after NC State. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a bye week. Thank God. <laughs> we'll probably need it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's when we play Miami. Miami's coming to Scott Stadium. Uh, Miami obviously didn't have quite the end of the year they wanted, but mm-hmm. they were really good for those first 10 weeks of the season last year. Yeah, and I am, I'm looking forward to this game. I think it'll be a good game. You know, they're they're ranked high to start the season. Hopefully they their first five games are not that bad. Um, you know, they play, they start off against LSU, and they have a couple, they have three kind of, bad teams that they should beat then they then they play unc and fsu and so we'll really get a good sense of how good miami is before they come to us that week especially against that fsu game and uh it'll be interesting to see how they do but i think we lose this one yeah i think you gotta mark this as a loss uh the only chance i think we really have is just if our pass pass rush is unbelievable charles snowden and chris peace each have like three sacks (laughs) it's gonna take a lot to beat miami i i don't think we're gonna do it you know we 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 almost did it last year and we were looking pretty good but miami just came back and you know we made some mistakes in the second half too to let them get back into the game but i think this is a loss you know miami is always a team that we seem to have a good grip on for some reason for whatever reason could only beat miami yeah you know we had that we blew them out in their last game of the orange bowl Yep, and we beat them on the Jake McGee touchdown drive. If we beat them, that would be dope. But I don't think we will. Yeah, so that puts according to me. I think we're at three and three right now. And, zero and three and in for, the conference. And for me, we're at two and four, zero and three in the conference. <laughs> tough. That's tough. That's a rough start to the season, but it gets significantly better after that stretch. Yeah, um, and we play at Duke the next week. So Duke was a team that historically we dominated and then we started losing to in kind of the 2009 time frame. Once we started getting bad, that's when we started losing to them. Yeah, and Duke, to their credit, David Cutcliffe is a very good coach and has made Duke football, I don't want to say relevant again, but has made you at least consider them when you talk about uh, football. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, Bronco is 2-0 and against Duke. I think Mike London beat him in his last year, too. So we've won at least three in a row. I see this as a win, an opportunity to get back on track. Duke is a good team, but it's a game I just think we win. Yeah, I, I can't. I think we win this game. I think it could be close. Uh, this is another game where it can go either way, really. Like, what team is going to show up? Is it going to be the Virginia team that can't do anything on road games or is it going to be the Virginia team that had five interceptions against Matt Jones two years ago at Duke so you know we'll see what happens but anything can happen I think I think we do win this one so I, I'll put us at three and four one and three in the conference all right so I've got us at four and three right now which leads us to North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, we beat them last year North Carolina South Saldus rivalry you know We'll see. I think they're going to be better than last year when they went three and nine, mm-hmm. one and seven in the conference. The question is really how much better because we kind of squeaked by them last season. I mean, Chris Peace, that was absolutely a face mask that mm-hmm. wasn't calling on that game winning <laughs> sack. So we'll we'll see. Um, this to me is a big toss up. I just I just think we lose. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game, but I think North Carolina's going to be improved they might not necessarily be better than us but i just see this as a team that uh you know it could go either way i'm just predicting a loss you know i think we win this one i i like our chances at home especially and this is the start of a three game home stretch and i think at this point in the season 
we're really going to have to be pushing for a bowl game because our last two games are at Georgia Tech and at Virginia Tech. And I think that these three games are the last chances that we have to really push for a bowl game if we're going to get one. So I think that North Carolina is a must-win game for us, especially in the ACC. Um, and I think we win it. I think uh, I think the boys pulled out. So I've got us at four and four, one and four in the conference. I've got us at four and four, which leads us to Pittsburgh. So Pitt is a team that, for whatever reason, we just haven't played well against. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh wasn't particularly good last season. They went five and seven, but they beat us beat us pretty soundly, thirty-one to seventeen last year. Um, but this game, Friday night in Charlottesville. On ESPN2. I love it. I, I think, love it. I think it's going to be a hype crowd. You know, the last time we had a Friday game uh, in, in Scott Stadium was against Boise. That was brutal. And it was, that was brutal. probably one of the most miserable games I've ever been at. Good thing I don't remember most of it, but... You're lucky. I, <laughs> I was in the press box. I oh, had my whole man. story written by the end of the third quarter. Oh, my gosh. Just had to get add some quotes in. Yeah, but, you know, I, Pitt, th- this game's going to be fun, and I think the students are really going to be hyped up for it. I think the I think it's going to be a packed house. You know, Friday night game doesn't come around very often, especially at home, and it's nationally televised. I think that um, we're going to step up and we're going to win this game. Even though we have historically been bad against Pitt, I think we're going to win this one. I get, again, I think this is a must-win game. I think we, we really – there aren't a lot of wins in the season, and I think we got to step up for this one. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of game where Bronco can really build excitement for the program. You know, mm-hmm. Friday night, national television, under the lights. Alternate jerseys. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe let's, we'll break out the Let's orange. get some all orange. Or maybe we do the all white. We played Pitt a couple years ago on a night game where we broke out those helmets. We wore all white. Mm-hmm. The athletes wanted a white out that athletics wouldn't mm-hmm. sponsor. So right. it was kind of a patchy white out. Yeah. <laughs> But I think this is a big game for Bronco. Um, anytime you can play at night under the lights, it's mm-hmm. a chance to make a statement. Yeah. And I think the fact that we're playing in Charlottesville is a big advantage for us. Yeah. So I do think we win this game. That would put my predictions at 5-4 and four and 2-4 and four in the conference. And I have us at 5-4 and four as well, but 3-3 three and three in the conference. Which brings us to Liberty, which will be senior day. And when? Uh, win yeah it, it better be a win um liberty i mean this is exactly what bronco is talking about he wants to play the worst teams and that he can possibly schedule well mm-hmm. this is liberty um i don't think they're gonna be too good yeah uh i also just like this in general you see sec teams do this they'll schedule kind of a cupcake game mm-hmm. before you know, a big rivalry game in November. Mm-hmm. I just like this. It's a good way to break up the season. Uh, I think it's a really good scheduling philosophy by Bronco. Yeah, it's kind of, it's good because the next week's game is Georgia Tech and they've got to prepare for the triple option. And then, of course, we have Virginia Tech right after that. So I I like this. We haven't seen this from a Virginia football coach. I can't remember the last time we didn't play a ACC team in November. Yeah, me neither. Um, and... I like it. I think it'll be a good time to maybe rest some guys, maybe get some, if we have any injuries, get them, you know, back up to speed. But um, I like it. I think we win it. I think we have to win it once again. This is a must win. (laughs) (laughs) So that puts us at bowl eligible under my predictions. Yeah. Bowl eligible as of November 10th against Liberty. Six and four. That's when we, that's when we celebrated bowl eligibility. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. So after that is where things get a little more interesting. Mm -hmm. Georgia Tech on the road in Atlanta. Georgia Tech, obviously, we beat them last year to become bowl eligible. I'm not, I'm one of these guys that I'm not particularly high on Georgia Tech, Mm -hmm. um, especially after seeing that Navy game where I was just shocked by how many more wrinkles Navy has in their triple option than Georgia Tech does. That said, Georgia Tech's returning their quarterback, Taquan Marshall. They also will be playing at home. Paul Johnson, good coach. Uh, this is a game that's absolutely a toss-up. And I think it'd be big for us if we could win. You know, after we became bowl eligible last season, we didn't win another game. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be big for us to try to win this game. 
and I think it's going to be a toss-up. At the end of the day, I'm just not quite sure I'm there yet. Maybe I will be if we're playing really well in October, and then maybe I can see this happening. Right now, I'm slotting that as a loss. You know, when, one thing that Broncos really stressed and one thing that he's all about is discipline and staying on your matchups. And the way you beat a triple option is discipline, staying on your matchups. Absolutely. And I, I think that with having Liberty the week before, I think we're going to go into this game well-prepared, hopefully more prepared than we were against Navy. With that triple option, I think our guys are going to be seasoned. I think we're going to know what we're going to have to do. At this point, you know, if you know, we usually don't say things that are wrong here, but <laughs> we, we don't really know some of these games, how they'll turn out. We could very well be fighting for bowl eligibility with this game. Yep. And I think a lot could ride on the line for it. And I'm going to say we're going to win this game. Wow. Because um, I, I trust I trust our ability to prepare for Georgia Tech, especially with having... I, I, I hesitate to say cupcake game because <laughs> just our <laughs> history never know. Of, you never of know doing poorly against bad teams. But I, I think with you know a team like Liberty the week before... I think we can really prepare for Georgia Tech. So I'm going to say we win that game. Yeah. I mean, there's a, we definitely could. We mm-hmm. definitely could. And I think a lot's going to depend on how this defensive line plays out. You know, is Richard Burney the real deal? Is everyone still healthy? Is, uh, you know, a guy like Jordan Redman? You know, the easiest way to beat the triple option is not even to give them the chance to pitch it. Just get in the backfield mm-hmm. before they can even make decisions. Yeah. So we'll see. But I have us at a loss there. That puts us at six and five and two and five in the conference that leads us to hopefully it's not the grand finale hopefully we have a bowl game after this but at least the regular season finale against our dear friends in blacksburg virginia tech on friday friday god i still remember i think it was the 2014 season friday night in blacksburg uh, we had great tickets to that game <laughs> my neighbor gave them to us and we were so close. Mm-hmm. Zach Swanson scored a touchdown with like two minutes left to give us the lead. Everyone was just hating on me all game. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited. And then Bucky Hodges had like a 50-yard catch. And that was that. And Some say he's God's gift. <laughs> he has that tattooed on his arms. Really? Both arms. One wow. arm says God's. I was kind of wondering gift. where you were going with that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'll just laugh. It's a fun fact. <laughs> Well, regardless, that was the last time we played them Friday night mm-hmm. in Blacksburg. Uh, the last game in Blacksburg that we played them was an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. That was the Kurt Benkert, Matt Johns rotation. That <laughs> was still one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Yeah, This is obviously a big game, a game that the team has really been focusing on, putting emphasis. I don't know if you've seen the new locker room pictures or videos that they've put out, but beat tech it's painted pretty much anywhere you look Mm -hmm. you'll see beat tech obviously as chris said a game that we're putting a lot of emphasis on dustin how does it play out i i think we lose honestly i don't think this is the year that we beat them i would love to beat them i'm not saying i don't want that but this is not the year that we need to focus on that i think we just need to focus on getting bowl eligible and i think the win is going to come some point at home and not on the road. It's so tough to play in that stadium in Blacksburg. I hate them, but but they they know how to fill a stadium up, and they know their fans know how to cheer for a football team. Absolutely. And I I, I hate to say, but I kind of respect them for it. I um, I respect the hell out of Virginia Tech. You know, I was supposed to I was supposed to go to the Virginia Tech Ohio State game a couple years ago. Got my friend got me a ticket, and I ended up getting the flu. Like the day before and couldn't make it mm-hmm. i was so mad because of just that the in the players coming in and the intro and just the fans and every i just wanted to experience it you know experience a real football game <laughs> a real football atmosphere but i wasn't able to but i i just can't see us winning this game i think that i think we gotta wait a couple more years at least yeah i mean one thing that stands out to me is the fact that this game comes after georgia tech I, there's some crazy stat. I think it's that every year since Paul Johnson has been coach at Georgia Tech, we've never won the game after we played Georgia Tech, which is just a testament to 
how much time it takes to prepare for the triple option right and really how much the it's, triple option it's wears. taxing it's taxing yeah. on you i mean you got to be the defense has got to be hyper focused you're running they they don't let you get off the field at all it's a lot and so i think i just don't see it happening this year yeah we'll see i again everything comes back to bryce perkins is bryce perkins the real deal if so maybe we could win this game and also maybe we'd win other games i mean we look at the schedule indiana what i'm considering toss-up games indiana duke unc pittsburgh georgia tech you could even throw ohio I, in there. I'd, I'd throw ohio some people in might throw too. louisville in there i'd also throw louisville i, I mean I, there's so many unknowns i say we have a, a seven good toss-up games that we either win or lose and depending on how some calls go how some like just a couple a couple inches are going to define some of these games i think and it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, historically, we've been on the the butt end of a lot of those games, but hopefully we can turn that around. I normally, I like to pride myself in how much I know Virginia football. And this is one of those where, one of these seasons where I really just have no idea. I mean, you can make a case that if Bryce Perkins is as good as he has been hyped up to be, that we could go 8-4. and four. Mm-hmm. You could also make the case that we'll go 4-8. and eight. Yeah. I look at this, I finished uh us at six and six uh which i think most people would be fairly happy with getting to a bowl game two years in a row would be big Mm -hmm. i have us at two and six in the conference which obviously i think everyone would like us to be above that Mm -hmm. and hopefully if bronco can turn this program around the way that he's talked about uh we can up that number but i think six and six is a good number it makes sense and at the end of the day there's just lots of swings that could happen yeah yeah but I think that's it. Let's give some shout outs before let's give some yells. Give excuse some me. Yells. Before before we, we, we hang up this week. And I've got mine already and I wanna go back to a couple of weeks ago when I talked about Urban Meyer and his domestic abuse scandal that Ohio State's going with. So if you don't know, Urban Meyer is going to serve a three game suspension for not reporting in a timely manner that one of his assistants uh, was abusive towards his wife and you can say whatever you want about about whether he should be fired or not but the thing that struck me was that his excuse for not doing it was that he forgot he yeah. lost his memory for that period of time where he had this information and did not report it right he he apparently has medical history where he has lost memory before he has taken medications that causes memory loss. And I am dumbfounded as to how the Ohio State Board of Visitors did not like, at least have him suspended more, but look into this further as, as to how he let this happen. So I, I think it's ridiculous that, and you know he's getting crucified by the media too. So it is not just me. There's a lot of people who think that it's ridiculous and you can't just feign memory loss from uh, a domestic abuse violation. So that's my take. I just wanted to follow up on a story from a couple of weeks ago that I talked about. Rob, what are you going to talk about? Hopefully a bit of a lighter note. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to talk about college sports in general. Okay. I mean, we've seen this past week, we've seen you know the soccer season start, the volleyball season start, and even yesterday we had the first college football games of the season. Um, but really the Labor Day weekend, that week one big college football feel, that's coming back in six days from when we're recording. And especially in the office, so many people ask me, they say, they'll say like, hey, like, listen, I'm an NFL guy. And I'll be like, oh, I'm a college football guy. Like, oh, I'm an NBA guy. I was like, oh, well, me, Robert, I'm a college basketball guy. And people just ask why. And I just, I love this feel, this passion, this excitement that we're growing towards that everyone puts aside their differences, whatever they may be, and you get 60-plus thousand people in a stadium cheering on the same team, wearing the same colors. You got athletes, alums that'll come back to games. You've got that sense of community. You know, there's no Redskins leaving to become Cowboys. There's no Cavaliers leaving to become Lakers. You Mm -hmm. know, once you come through this program, we embrace you, and Mm -hmm. everyone embraces you. And there's just so much goodness and stuff and passion I mean, Lee Corso, Lee Corso is one of my favorite people of all time. And mm-hmm. I was watching some videos this week 
where he's tearing up, like watching Navy highlights of mm-hmm. him coaching earlier. There's just so much passion, so much excitement in the college sports world. And that's just what I love about it. Yeah. So I want to put that out there. Huge college sports guy. And I'm so excited to see really the true start of the season coming up in just a couple of days. So yeah, it's gonna be super great. excited to see where uh, just this college season in general goes it's gonna be good and i think that's it for our show this week so thank you all for listening again make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod follow us on snapchat at guys and ties pod subscribe on itunes subscribe on soundcloud and we will see y'all next week go who's baby beat richmond <laughs>